Bicycle Thieves of the World Rejoice! The World Championships are in Glasgow. I'm Gary, it's the 5th of August, and this is the Saturday Supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast, powered by vivelovello.cc. Hi everybody, welcome back to our normal slot for the Saturday Supplement, which, strangely enough, is a Saturday. I make no apologies for the, the, the cheap and lazy gag in the opener, because that's that's kind of how I am. Um, but yeah, it's, what's been happening? Well, it's the World Championships of here. They've arrived in Scotland um, and brought the weather, it would seem. Um, but before we talk about uh, the men's road race and some of the track action that's been happening, um, let's go back seven days, which is a long time in professional cycling. Um, we'll have a quick look at what's been happening um, in the run-up, and then we'll get into some of the the ins and outs um, of the, uh, the World Championships, all of which are being held in Scotland this week. So, um, in the... the, the uh, the chaos that was four weeks of racing in France, um, we other racing kind of got lost. Um, the Classic of San Sebastian, uh, which took place on the on the day of the Queen stage of the Tour de France Fam, which uh, obviously I've, I've spoken about breathlessly in the uh, the wrap up supplement earlier this week. Um, but Remco Evenepoel, um, who else? Um, and we'll be talking about him shortly as well. Um, took his third. Um, Classic of San Sebastian, um, the second in a row, um, out sprinting Peo Babao of Bahrain Victorious um, after he, uh, Bilbao and Alexander Vlasos clipped, finally clipped away from the, the peloton with about 40 kilometres to go um, in a you know a race that's always entertaining um, and I, I just think it, it suffers from bad timing doesn't it um, but they, they clipped away with 40k to go um, and Vlasov um, you know one of those riders who's always a threat um, going to the line as well he kind of dropped off a bit on the final climb um, before Evnepoel and Pale Bilbao um, descended um, to the to the coast um, for for the final sprint, and it was uh, Evnepoel who who prevailed on the line, um, looking in very good shape indeed. Um, we also had the Tour of Poland, um, happening over the last um seven stages, um, which actually came down to a single second. Um, the race was contested uh, pretty much for most most of the the uh, the seven stages between Matej Mohoric um, of Bahrain Victorious and UAE Emirates uh, Yao Almeida, um, and the the race was basically settled um, on the with ninety nine kilometers or so to go um, the final stage um, when um, when Mohoric took the the bonus sprint um, and the, the two of them kind of did the, the fist bump and um, acknowledged. Uh, uh, Mohoric's his victory the two of them you'll be starting the day level on time um, although Mohoric himself already had a stage win under his belt um, so yeah it was really interesting if if not widely publicised and certainly not widely televised uh, race which is a bit disappointing um, GCN didn't have the rights to, to the race uh, flow bikes were showing um, highlights 
um, on their YouTube channel, which was was great. Um, the race itself was bookended by uh, wins for Sudal Quickstep to Merlier, um, winning the opening and, and the closing stage, as bookending would suggest. Um, Matty Mohoric won stage two, um, and Rafa Maika. Um, taking uh, stage three, Yumbo Visma's Olaf Koy uh, taking the, the fourth stage. Uh, EF Education's Marin van der Berg winning stage five. Matteo Catania um, of Sudal Quickstep uh, took the time trial, and um, before Merlier made it three stage wins for Sudal Quickstep um, on on the final stage into Krakow. Um, Matteo Moric uh, winning GC by a single second from Jao Almeida. Now. Let's let's cut to the what we're really going to talk about, the uh, the inaugural multi mega event um, that the UCI um, have announced that will take place every four years in the year preceding the Olympics, um, where all of the cycling disciplines come together. There's a thirteen of them um, over uh, ten days in Glasgow. Um, the track program pretty much kicked things off, and um, we've already seen world champions jerseys go to Chloe Diger for the women's individual pursuit. Um, the Kenya uh, Sham rider, um, Germany winning the team sprint. Uh, men's scratch race was won by William Tidball of uh, Great Britain. He also rides for uh, Saint Pyrrhon. Um, the Continental team in Cornwall, uh, which you've probably heard Chris uh, Sidwells and I talking about. Um, quite a few times on the uh, on the, the the various feeds, um, and there's actually an interview with uh, with a lot of the guys from Saint Pern that Chris has um, done on our premium feed. But I'll, I'll try and I'll hawk you that in a minute. Um, a, a mixed opening day for for Saint Pern actually is uh, Charlie Tansfield. Um, the rider crashed um, riding for t- Team GB in the men's team pursuit qualifier, um, digging his front wheel into the. Um, into the, uh, the the Côte d'Azur uh, on the track and uh, kind of got straight to the, the scene of the accident after that. Um, he got up, walked away, um, but it looked like a sore one. Um, yesterday's track programme, Emma Heinzer won the women's 500 metres individual time trial um, for for Germany. Uh, USA's Jennifer Valenti won the 10km scratch, um, followed closely um, by Micah van der Dern, who... Uh, You'll have heard us talking about riding for Canyon SRAM. Um, and the men's team sprint was won by the Netherlands, um, led by none other than Harry Lavresen. Um, I don't know how much track you watch, but if you have been watching the uh, the track Champions League at the end of the seasons, uh, or at the end of last year and the end of the previous year, um, Harry Lavresen, um, and also you know, a multiple world champion as well, will be well known to you. Um... This weekend is really where it's at as far as road cycling goes and the men's uh, elite road race championship takes place um, on the 271 course from... Lazily it's from Edinburgh to Glasgow but as you would expect uh, in the world championships it doesn't take the easy route. Leaving Edinburgh uh, in the morning crossing the River Forth um, and heading along the the, the, the scenic five coast, um, it's it's kind of like one of uh, one of my uh, reasonably regular club runs um, in reverse. The two bridges. Um, so if you if you're a Scottish rider, you'll be familiar with uh, with that route. Um, comes into the north side of Glasgow after coming through uh, crossing back across the, the, the river um, into the northern part of Glasgow. The main climb 
um, on the, the route comes after about 97 kilometres, which is the uh, semi-legendary Crow Road, which is a, a rite of passage for most Scottish roadies, um, which is a 10% climb, uh, which will probably break things up. Uh, is, it, is it steeper than that? 10 14%? Um, I haven't had this rite of passage yet, and any plans I've, I've made in the past to do it have usually fallen apart. Um, I'll get there one day. Which is shocking because it is not that far from me. Um, but after 97 kilometres of riding, um, it's be the first chance where the the race gets broken up a little bit before heading into Glasgow um, and doing 10 laps of a 14 kilometre circuit uh, around the city centre. Um, so you're talking a good two and a half thousand metres of climbing um, at that point. Uh, in the circuit alone, um, which is, it's got real kind of Liège, Baston Liège type feel to it, um, it is a proper classic um, type route, um, if you have watched the Commonwealth Games or the UK National Championships, was that 2011 was it, um, or was it 2013, um, this is the passage of time, the year Mark Cavendish won the Nationals, that was 2013 wasn't it, um, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the now infamous and legendary uh, Montrose Street, the Moor de Montrose Street, uh, which is a, a steep, um, steep-ass climb in the city centre, um, it will certainly um, test the legs and certainly will do so ten times. Um, and it's, I think it's it's going to be one of these races that's going to lend itself to um, either an, you know, an incredibly lucky breakaway or more likely... Um, some of the usual suspects um and, and you know let's let's get to that um on paper it certainly looks like it could be belgium versus the rest of the world um coming with a squad that has Wout von art jasper phillipson um and remco evnepoel uh who i think has to be the strong favorite to make it uh two rainbow jerseys on the bounce um others <laughs> others they also runs um matthew van der poel obviously is a name that comes into into the uh, the equation here, um, and hopefully um, you'll actually get to ride the World Championships um, this year. Um, but if he has a, a problem with with mean girls in in, in Australia, um, then wait till he meets the mean girls of uh, of uh, I was going to say of Glasgow, but the race starts in Edinburgh. But yeah, Edinburgh mean girls can be even meaner. So have a quiet night, Matthew. Get your head down, um, and you can you know you'll get to race this time. Um, but having had a decent, you know, a good run into the world, um, I think Vanderpool uh, yeah, has to be in with a shout as well. You, who, who wouldn't be? Um, Taddy Pogacar um, is the, the other obvious name uh, in there, um, riding for Slovenia. Um, and, you know, as, as we saw during the tour, um, he can pretty much um, surf other teams. So if, I, I don't necessarily see Belgium taking him to the line. Um but it's going to be an absolutely fascinating race, um, uh, as I speak, tomorrow. Um, and yeah, we'll be chatting about that on the Feed Zone, no doubt, tomorrow night, where we'll uh, have a, a new world champion to, to talk about. Um, the women's road race takes place uh, the following week, which is good, because they get you know they get two weeks to recover from the Tour de France, um, as did the men. Um, it's a shorter circuit. Uh, sorry, shorter circuit. It's the same circuit. It's a shorter race, starting um, on the, the the shores of Loch Lomond in a uh, beautiful uh, town of Balloch, um, and heading from west to east. 
um, for the first 33 kilometres before they too hit the crow road um, and then run into Glasgow for six laps of uh, the, the circuit that we spoke about. And obviously I'll talk a bit more about that uh, on next Saturday's show, but it very much looks like it could be the Netherlands versus the rest of the world. In fact, it actually looks like it could be the Netherlands versus the Netherlands. Um, <laughs> we talk about teams forming, uh, riders forming alliances with other countries. Um, I think there are, you know, depending on how things go inside the, the Dutch camp, there could be difficulty forming alliances inside that. Um, however, Demi Vollering is, is clearly the, uh, I would imagine, to be the, a clear favourite for the race. Um, but we also have Annemiek van Vluten in our final World Championships, um, you know, who I would like to think would be in a supporting role. But if the chance came, um, you, we could see van Vluten making a go, making a break on the Crow Road even, yeah, go for a long one. Um, you know, I, I was complaining last weekend that, you know, does, has she become a bit of a one-trick pony? But it would be quite the trick um, if she going early um, and it's it's not entirely inconceivable um, as well as the Dutch squad obviously we're looking at um, you know, a Polish squad that has Casianivia uh, Doma who's had a great, and you had a great uh, Tour de France Queen of the Mountains um, finishing third overall um, Poland also have uh, you know, breakaway queen Agnieszka Skalniak Sojka um, who we saw be very prominent um, at the, the TDFF as well, um, Sicily trip a little bit for D- Denmark. We could, you know, we could just re- we could re- reel off the the names of uh, the, the riders we've been talking about for the past you know, fortnight, basically in France. Um, but again, I think it's just going to be uh, fascinating to see how how the the, uh, the, the races uh, work out uh, over the uh, over over both days. Um, my favourite. I'm going to be. Late, I'm going to be predictable. I'm going to go for Remco Evenepoel um, this weekend, um, and I'm going to go for Demi Vollering as well. Um, I think she would. Not, you know, in previous years, we probably wouldn't have seen her as a necessarily being a a, a world championship contender on a course like that. But I think just the way she's riding, the way her riding's changed, um, I think. She, yeah, I think we are moving into the era of Demi Vollering. Um, and I think it's gonna, you know, I think it started last week, um, and it will continue next Sunday. Well, come join me next week. We'll see you for right. Now you may remember me talking earlier this year about the UCI rules on the the rights for female transgender athletes to participate in UCI international events. Um, and when we last spoke, um, it was UCI rules were based around the uh, concentrations of testosterone um, in an athlete's blood, um, which would put you know, beneath two point five nanomoles um, per liter um, would 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 previously allow them to, to participate in in women's elite sport. Um, the UCI announced on the 14th of July during the Tour de France, um, so it kind of got buried. Uh, I don't want to, you know, subscribe to conspiracy theories um, or the likes, but, you know, you could have, you could have tied that a bit better. Um, but the UCI announced on the 14th of July, um, following an extraordinary general meeting held uh, on the 5th of July, um, that the uh, the UCI management committee had decided that from now on, um, female transgender athletes who had transitioned after 
male puberty will be prohibited from participating in women's events on the UCI international ca calendar in all categories and various disciplines. Um, this was um, following um, dis research, discussions, um, and a seminar, uh, uh, you know, taking into consider consideration the, uh, the views of many stakeholders. Um, both transgender and cisgender athletes, um, you know, scientific experts, and so on and so forth, um, and this is where the UCI have have taken this position. Um, I'm, as I've said before, I have no particular skin in this game. I, I'm a fifty-something white cisgender male, um, so I'm you know, probably the least qualified person on the planet to talk about this. Um, but I do think it's important that we that we do at least. You know, um, put it out there that um, a decision has been taken um, and the rules have changed. Um, the interest, I think the 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 almost comforting part um, is that the UCI um, are you know are basing this on the science. I've said I think I tweeted at the time that they were damned if they did something here and damned if they didn't. Um, but I think the key line in, in their announcement is that the rules may change in the future as scientific knowledge evolves. Um, I think everybody's learning here, um, and I think it's at least positive that the UCI, you know, are not kicking out the the idea of you know, changing the rules if if research and knowledge um, change. You know, if if we learn more about the effects that male pu that puberty has on an athlete and what potential advantages or disadvantages that could cause um, to a, a transgender woman like um, who competes at an elite level. Um, obviously, there was, you know, it's such a polarising issue. I don't want to call it a debate. I don't think it should be a, is it a debate. Um, it's, it's so polarising. So, so, yeah, this is a victory for, the, you know, for, for women everywhere, and maybe it is, um, but, you know, the... the, the the problem here is how do you how do you protect the rights of one group without discriminating against another, um, and that is the is the fine line that the that the UCI dance here. So I think um, they are to be commended for making a decision and being quite open about that, but also in in saying that you know this this decision may change in the future we will learn more, and that's ultimately where it is. We are at the, at the start of a, a learning journey. All of us, you know, me personally, uh, the UCI as a as a governing body, and all sporting go governing bodies, um, are are learning here, um, and you know I I'm ac acutely aware that this is disappointing for athletes who I've I've spoken about in the past who want to compete, um, because it's not yeah you know, I've said before this isn't about um, you know, failed men wanting to hoover up uh, medals at elite level. It's you know, I think at the heart of this, it's transgender women wanting to compete um, on a fair and level playing field. And yet, so the cisgender women. So how do you balance? How do you balance one right without infringing those of another? Um, and as I say, that's the that's the tightrope that the UCI and other sporting bodies will 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 walk. Um, but I'm glad that the UCI have have take you know have. I think I've done it properly. They've looked at the science. They've spoken to people. They've spoken to athletes, and you know, both cisgender and transgender, um, and they've tried to make as as best a rule as they can, given on the you know, scientific understanding as it is in 2023. Who knows where that will be in 2024 and 2025? But at the moment, the UCI have made a made an announcement. They've adult, adapted their policies, um, and they will continue to review that. And I think you know is. The, 
as disappointing as that will be for tra- transgender athletes, um, I think that is the right thing to do. But, you know, who am I? What, what do I know? And actually, it would be interesting to hear what people think about this. As I said, the, 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 the mainstream media, you know, cycling journalists seem to be steering well clear of this. And possibly, understandably, you don't want to have your Twitter timeline uh, filled up by, um, you know, shall we just say, loud voices on you know, from either side, um, some more informed than others. Um, so it is a difficult one for them to do. But drop me a line, t- tweet me at the Gary Fairley um, and, and let me know what you think. Is, it, is this a good thing? Is it a terrible thing? What, you know, where do we see this going? I don't know. Um, I, you know I'm just... I'm just reading the news, um, but it's something that's not going to go away, and it's a, it's a, an aspect of sport that is that is here, um, and it, it's it's up to those of us who are fans and those of us who do talk about it, you know, to, to at least try try to discuss it like grown ups. Um, so yeah, I, I, I trust that one or two of you out there might be grown ups. So yeah, drop me a line, let me know what you think, um, and I would quite happily share that um, in future future episodes, or you know, just just have a chat online. It's because it's good to talk. So this has been the the, the first proper Saturday supplement in what seems like ages. It's a bit shorter than some of the recent ramblings. Um, what's coming up on the Cycling Legends podcast premium feed um, this week? Well, we've got the feed zone uh, on Sunday, uh, which tomorrow as I speak, uh, where we will be, I guess we will be welcoming the, the new world champion. Uh, we will be talking about the announcements of that the uh, 2020 and 2029 world championships will be held um, in uh, Abu Dhabi and also in Saudi Arabia. Um, that's bound to be a, a little bit of controversy but since the current world championships are also being held in a country that is uh, run by a despotic right-wing regime who am i to criticize um so the feed zones will be out with me patrick david and chris uh, tomorrow evening and uh, we have got cycling is medicine chris sidwells um is has got a new feature on the premium feed um, looking at the physiological and psychological benefits um of cycling um, and has spoken to two very special um, athletes who participate in the senior games. Um, so for those of us of a certain age, um, it's, it's it's a very enlightening listening. So you can sign up for this and all the other premium content, interviews, features, history, um, over at cyclinglegendspodcast.com. In the meantime, this has been the Saturday Supplement. You can catch me on Twitter at the Gary Fairley. You can find the latest news from the Cycling Legends team at Cycling Legends One. Um, you can also go over to CyclingLegends.co.uk and have a look at um, some of the stuff you can buy. You can buy T-shirts. You can buy Chris Sidwell's books. Um, there are blogs. There are articles and features in there as well. So pop on over to Chris's site, cyclinglegends.co.uk and we will hopefully be emerging everything into one single website that has all the, the podcast sign-ups as well as all the, the good stuff that Chris does. In the meantime, drop me a line on Twitter if you want, you know, want to um, discuss you know, the uh, the UCI announcements um, around transgender participation or you just want to chat about bike racing. Um, 
drop me a line and I will happily respond um, and you know I'll give you a shout out on the Saturday supplement as well in the meantime I hope you have a great weekend I hope you enjoy the world championships whichever discipline you're following this week um, I hope you enjoy the ride if you're on your bike but in the meantime I shall speak to you again next Saturday on the Saturday supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast powered by vivlavello.cc Thank you.